Welcome to Shidduch University, Shidduch U from Adayad. Hi, I'm Javara Krasniansky, and in this series, I invite experts and professionals to talk about all aspects related to Shidduchim, dating, and relationships. You can find us on the web at adayad.org, A-D-A-I-A-D.org. Today, we're talking about setting up the marriage for success with Panina Flug, LCSW. Panina is passionate about helping young people set up for success from their dating experience, and also more importantly, through premarital and early marital education. In this conversation, we spoke about how to date for successful marriage, the mindsets to have, and conversation and experiences to have while dating. Enjoy. Good evening, all. I'm Debara Krasniansky from Adayad. Welcome to Shidduch University, Shidduch U, a project that we're doing together with MASK. Uh, the idea is to bring information for dating, pre-dating, and so we can get into the marriages uh, from a position of strength, when we really know what we're getting into and how to get into the right relationships. So that's the idea of Shidduch U. You can check us out on our website. That's adayad.org, A-D-A-I-A-D.org. And tonight we're going to be talking with Panina Flug about some really important things about getting, setting up for the, the marriage for success from even before the dating and then the dating even before the marriage begins. So I'm really excited. Panina is doing a lot of work in this area. So I'm really grateful that you're able to talk to us about the work that you're doing and answer some questions that we have in this area. And so thank you, Panina. And thank you, Rahama Klatman from MASK for uh, putting this all together for us. Rahama, do you want to say a couple words before we get started? And then Panina will just jump right into the topic. So thank you. Thank you. So thank you, Adia. Thank you, Devara. It's always wonderful to collaborate with you on all the programs that we do together. Uh, Mass is Mothers and Fathers Aligned, Saving Kids, Kids of All Ages and All Stages for All Mental Health, Including Addiction. We are a referral organization. We refer to therapists, inpatient, outpatient program. We have an after-school program in Crown Heights. Uh, I have a radio show Thursday nights, 9 p.m. on the Zeb Brenner station, just 6.20 a.m. on the radio dial at talklinecommunications.com. Uh, if anyone needs a referral, feel free to work, uh, reach out, 718-758-758. 0, 0, and our website is maskparents.org. Thank you, Tavara, and thank you, Panina. Thank you. Thank you. So tonight, uh, Panina, we're going to be talking about setting up for success. And let's, before we even get started, let's talk about the work that you're doing in this area, the work that you do in general. Okay, so I am an emotionally focused couples therapist. Um, so I work with, in my private practice, with couples at all stages of marriage. Um, that's my, that's my, what I do. And also, um, I also do therapy for parents with adult children. Um, so repairing bonds, reconnecting. Um, and, and I'm more recent, I've been doing that for a long time. More recently, I got involved in premarital education um, with engaged couples and newlyweds, trying to help them set up their marriages for success. And also, I'm also involved in training therapists and college teachers to teach premarital education. And if anyone is interested in that and in getting involved in teaching premarital education, reach out to me. 
So I'm really excited. I've, I've seen the outlines of your programs. I've seen little tips of this. I'm really excited that we'll be talking about it because I so believe in what you believe that the education before the marriage starts, before the problems start, setting it up before there's any issues and getting to set it up for the uniquely who the two of you are, I think is so important. So I really like the work that you're doing. So and I hope it's out there and spreads because it's so important. I do, I do work and you do work of, after when there's challenges and we both know that there are things that could have been prevented or if it was set up more effectively in the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I got involved, seeing the problems after that could have been prevented in many cases. So we're talking today about Shaduchim, so it's even before they are a couple, then when they're dating. And so I like that, I, I find that's even a more important time, uh, just as equal or more important time to be starting to really set up for the success of the couplehood, because even if they to help them get into the right couplehood. Sure. So, so that's what I wanted to be talking about uh, tonight. So what issues should be the focus in the dating process? Okay. So I think that in the dating process, the issue should be developing a healthy connection with someone, a healthy relationship. Um, and I do think that the main thing that I always try to tell um, daters is um, like, you have to think of the big picture, right? So a lot of our daters are looking at resumes and what occupation someone's gonna have and what yeshiva or seminary they went to. And I kind of always say to like daters that I'm talking to, can you look at the big picture? Like, what do you think is gonna make you happy sitting alone with your husband in your apartment or your wife in a few years? Is it gonna matter what job they have or what seminary they went to? That's not what's going to matter. So I really think that a lot of us get so parents, shadchanim, get so worked up and like looking at timelines and we're not looking at the big picture. Something I heard that I thought was so on target was I heard a Rav say on a different podcast, we're not looking to get couples to their first anniversary. We're not looking to get them married. We're looking to get couples to their 50th anniversary. Right. So I think if people would think about that, they wouldn't rush these couples along on making the most important decision of their life. You're you're impacting future generations. It's not a late decision. And I'm not I don't try to scare daters, but I just say, like, like, what's the rush? Like you you shouldn't walk down that aisle having concerns about the match. Of course, marriage is a new stage and it's anxiety provoking. It's a new stage, but you shouldn't be worried about the match, you know, when you're walking down the aisle. It should feel right. It should be right, and it should be right about be right on the right kind of things, not height necessarily uh, or family they come from. That's what we're talking about. Is understand that we're not just trying to get married; we're trying to be married for fifty years, fifty plus years. Right, and it's our daters are young, so it's really the parents' job for us to guide our dating children in the right direction and to really be involved in that process. Like you can't expect them to make figure this out on their own, 20-year-olds, right? Right. But then again, there are some parents who get very involved. So that's like the... That right, that's not good either. <laughs> right. So what can parents do? Like what is it when we say this is the parent's role? The parents, and I would like to just add that sometimes it's a teacher or a mashpia or an advocate who's taking right. the role of the guide. And sometimes it's, it's not always the parent. Sometimes parents can't be too objective enough. Right. Everyone needs some mentor, right? Some mentor in the process. It doesn't, it's not always going to be a parent. That's a hundred percent, right? It has to be someone with, who's a healthy relationship role model. We talk about that a lot. 
we need healthy relationship role models. A lot of us don't have them. So if we don't have one, we have to find someone. But it's not something that a 20-year-old, 25-year-old or 30-year-old should be doing totally on their own. Just because they're old enough to get married and technically it's their decision, it really is something that they should be doing with some support and guidance. Correct. And also, like, if you think about it, we are not going to go to a new job without preparation. We can't even get a driver's license without a test. So why would we think anyone can get married without any help just because they become 19 years old? Like, <laughs> like the flip of it is like we say that they are old enough to get married. They're the ones going to be in the marriage. And but still, I think that in anything, you're starting a business, you'd like to get you ought to be getting some mentorship. You should ought to be getting some support. But I think it's the same thing. Yes, they're old enough. They're the ones that are going to be married. But I don't think that anyone should really try to think that they should be doing this totally on their own. No, no. And also, I think that's something so important about talking, preparing like daters through the shit process and newlyweds and engaged couples, as I always tell them, everyone needs help. Like it's a strength to ask for help. We're stronger when we lean on healthy and we have a support system. So it's normal to need help. We have to destigmatize that, right? We all need help. We all, uh, we all benefit from help, even if we don't right. have a good right. problem, we can benefit right. even better with the help and support. Right. But especially newlyweds and daters, it is a major transition, right? So we we should look for guidance. Okay, so what is the role of the guide, the guide, whoever it is, the parent, the mashpia, the advocate? What is their role? So the role is like to be a sounding board, to listen, to support, to love, but also, you know, to check, like check in and and make sure that 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 there's um there are no there's no red flags that they that this new couple has a healthy relationship has emotional safety can talk about things are comfortable with each other right one of the things i always say is i think and i always say because people say to me but i'm yeshivish i can't do that i always say no rabbi is going to say you're not allowed to spend shabbos together before you get engaged just because it's not done because i don't think any rabbi is going to say that you it's so important to see the way this person interacts with their family to see them in a natural setting, not on a date, right? So you need time, you need to feel comfortable, right? We always say actually that what's a healthy relationship? ABCs, acceptance, belonging, comfort, and safety, right? We all need to feel accepted in a relationship, accepted for who we are, not uh, I accept you if you change, right? Um, we, also, we need to feel like we belong. We need to feel comfortable and safe, emotionally safe, meaning I can share my feelings without my, my you know, partner my husband my um getting mad at me right so of course these some of these things are going to they're all going to develop after a marriage right and and in a new relationship some of this is isn't there you're not going to be there yet but there you have to have the sign that it's healthy you have to feel comfortable with the person right and i know that it really also depends on your background right so like and there's different norms in different communities for how much time you you know and, and your expectations right I want to pick on something you said. You want to have to feel like it's going to develop. But so, what does that look like? Because, like you said, I mean, we only date a certain amount of time, whether it's right. months. And you, they, when they get married, when we get married, when it's not really a full-blown relationship like it's going to be after years of spending time together and having shared experiences. But what does it look like when you know that it's on the right track to develop into a relationship? I think so. What it looks like is that. Um you feel comfortable. You can be yourself, like to an extent. 
you can talk about things without having to worry that the other person's getting angry, right? You know, you, you can disagree and, and not like not talk for days, right? Um, you feel supported. You feel comfortable. You don't feel awkward having conversations with the other person. Okay, so we're talking about that comfortability, but again, they're so, so new. And they don't even yet know how to support each other because they don't know each other's styles yet. And sometimes we don't even know how to express the kind of support that we need at that age and for, and for such deep issues, like whatever, I'm talking about the bigger issues, not the simple issues. But the thing that we really want to make sure that we're accepted on. So it's like that balance of kind of getting a sense. And maybe I like the idea of having other people see you guys together. So that, so that because it's a big, it's a big decision. And big, it's a lot of trying to tune into yourself at such a young age. So there is a lot of benefit of bringing somebody else into the conversation. Right, introducing the person to like your parents and maybe other people that know you well. So even though it's not necessarily that your cultural norm, if it's something that you really feel that you want, I think that maybe we can stretch the norm. Right. I think the person has to feel comfortable walking down the aisle, like happy about it. And I think that a big problem is, is that because there's so much pressure and talk about the shidduch, you know, the shidduch crisis, that people do feel like, some, this is an issue I hear a lot from, from daters. Well, I already invested six weeks, like the thought of starting over. And I, I know that is hard, but if you think big picture, that's not a reason to keep going in the relationship, right? Because you have to start over. Because I always say like, it is hard to be single, a single person for a while. However, it's better to be single than unhappily married. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying to divorce. I'm not talking about divorce, but I'm talking about when you're a single person getting married, it's better to wait and be single for longer than to be in an unhappy marriage, right? Like it's better to take the time to find the right person and to feel good about it. And also if you have doubts, this is so important. If they, if engaged people that are about to get engaged or you're engaged and the invitations are out, it's not a reason to not break it off, right? But that's why if you have doubts, speak to a therapist or speak to someone that, that, that you trust, your college teacher, if that person is, you know, trained and well enough to help you but speak to someone and and make sure it's not about the person and it's just about this new stage the anxiety like right because engage so going back the engaged period is a very anxiety ridden right so much happening of preparing a huge event uh and all the the apartment and the clothing and the and this and then there's a marriage actually to be set up there's a lot going on and then for some people they're actually keeping their day job in the middle of all that so right. there's less a right. lot of anxiety Right. So what I always recommend is date longer, get to know that this relationship is on track, and then kind of see the engagement period as logistics. Right. So you should be really ready to get married by the time you get engaged. Right. So date longer and have a shorter engagement. I just had a conversation with Arav about this, and he was saying that ideally his he wants his children to date for three months and then have a short engagement. I'm like, we all we like you don't right. It makes perfect sense. I mean, we need, we can't rush these things. It's too important. Like you're, this is another thing that I think is an issue that's related to this is that a lot of parents feel pressure to marry off their kids when like they, they're so worried at marrying off their kids that they're not thinking my kid has issues and needs help. Marriage isn't the answer. So then you're ruining someone else's life, potentially children's lives, because 
people are marrying, getting married when they have issues that, that, they can, that they're just not ready to get married yet. They need to have help first. I see that all the time. I see people, you know, a lot of times these people call me two weeks before the wedding. What am I supposed to do with two weeks before the wedding? That's why I'm trying to encourage Rabban and have people come and talk to someone at the beginning of the engagement because people come two weeks before and they don't want to break it off then. But what can I do two weeks before when things are really not good in the relationship, right? And a lot of times you're right. It is the wedding and the parents. So a lot of times I can talk it out with the couple and we'll realize it's the relationship is good, but the parents are putting so much pressure on the couple, you know, that they each want what they want and they're putting the couple in the middle. And sometimes that can make them really fight a lot, but they are okay. But they're put, unfair pressure is being put on them. So you have to just talk it out with someone and see what's going on. Well, just to talk to that point, so as soon as you're concerned, and because our engagements are so short, there's not a lot of time. We're playing, we're playing with a timeline. So if you're even starting to think that something's bothering you, like you don't have a lot of time to play with that. So I think it's important to, firstly, like we said, to date longer so that we can actually feel that this is a real, really on its way to a good marriage. Because they're like, one of, I think we spoke with Mayor Zuckerman said, we don't want to just get married. You actually want to be married. Right. And so it's not just getting engaged, it's actually preparing for the marriage. And the engagement period is not really going to do that. The engagement period, as I see it, is really logistics of getting from right. getting engaged to the marriage. And if logistics could be happening quicker, then the, then the engagement period would be shorter. So the meaning that what I'm saying is that the all of it should be happening before in the dating time. Right, figuring th these things out. If a a good relationship and a lot of times people start questioning it during the engagement but they don't want to they don't want to cancel the wedding so well there is to say that some people uh, they, after the commitment of the engagement which is not quite the commitment of a marriage some people let their hair down or whatever the expression you want to use right do start to notice things so it's not to say that don't don't notice like just don't don't it's not to say just see this as a logistics time it is still the last time to keep your eyes open again not to i just don't want to frighten anyone Usually the engagement goes well, a little bit of anxiety with the wedding and, and, and just so much happening and the couple is on, its good, on a good way. But it's still time to keep your eyes open. But I still think that's more of it should have been happening earlier. More right, most engagements go smoothly. Most marriages go smoothly. Then, you know, however, I think the point of why we're doing this is because we're just saying it's too important to not prepare for this. Why not? Why it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you want to be as prepared as possible to to start this relationship off on the right foot? So it could be amazing, right? Why wing it? So let's talk about the, your your favorite thing of this premarital uh, education. Right. Right. What many people be talking about when they're dating? I mean, of course, we want premarital education. I think the education doesn't come from within themselves. I mean, really, the idea of education means coming from somebody else because there's so much to learn but so what can people be talking about their marriage or their potential marriage when they're dating what are some conversations to have um i think about like priorities um priorities in terms of work you know work like work um work home balance um family values right um what their families family rituals family, what it's like in their homes, like what are, what are, do you talk about feelings in your house, right? Like family relationships, you know, talking about the person's relationships with their parents, grandparents, siblings. Money. 
right? I think, again, the main thing is not what you're talking about, but are you comfortable talking about it, right? Yeah, are you, you have to be able, I just was asked this question. You have to be comfortable to say to your, the person you're dating, you know what, like, I, I'm not ready to get engaged yet, you know, without having a fear that the person's going to end it, right? I'm not, I need a little bit more time or like, you have to feel like the person is safe, emotionally safe. Right. This is another thing to look out for when you're dating. Like, does my the person I'm dating get insulted over a lot of things? Are they too sensitive? Like, can they handle conversations? Like, how, how do they, you know, try to notice a little bit how they deal with their emotions? And then again, like you were saying, most people don't see the family until they're engaged. So why why not spend a little time with the family while you're dating? Right? You want to see how how the person interacts with their family, how they treat other people. Right. Some of our daters just don't see anyone else. I mean, they see the bus right. and, the, and the waiter but, right. and, or the, the parking valet or thing, but not people that are really in his or her life. Right. And I think that there's a, there's a missed opportunity. I know it's not the cultural norm necessarily, but I think that's a missed opportunity. And I think there's a lot that you can be seen. It can be reassuring or it could be... Uh, helpful to see you know, some, some some that they really don't get along with anybody else or don't get along in a way that you feel comfortable. Right. I mean, and the flip of it, some people say that, yes, but if they saw my family, then they wouldn't want to marry me. And I think that's anything that someone may not want to marry you is the thing that you actually should make sure that they know about. That goes back to your right. ideas of acceptance. Right. Right. But I, but I understand the person might be afraid. They might feel like my family is not okay and I'm okay. So I don't want, I don't want them to see my family, but then can you imagine if how the person will feel if you hide all of that and then they find out once you're married, then that will feel like a secret that you kept. Right. So, trail. so it's... right. Right. So if you have things to, to share and you might need to ask a therapist or, or a mentor, how do I share this with my with the person I'm dating I don't want to lose the person but like there are issues in my family that you know but if you show the person how you've dealt with it and how you're dealing with it I think it's also about like everyone people have been through things but how do you deal with it do you know yourself right it's very important for the person to, that you're just notice if the person is self-aware like we we all have our weaknesses we're all human right we all have our strengths and weaknesses so is there self-awareness I think that's very important to look for so that and, and the self-awareness and also like how they how they're aware about it that they're self-deprecating because they're aware of it rather than accepting of themselves i think it's a big difference right right and if there are if the person's been through things you want to see that they've dealt with those things they've been through trauma or you know so we did a whole series on if people had addiction in the past trauma so if anyone wants you can i'll put in the show notes the links to those episodes because we really discussed okay. it at length because okay, that they came out on stronger on the other side if they're really in the throes of it then they could be eventually be a wonderful person but right now if they're still in the trauma of it then maybe they're not ready to get married even though they may be really right. lots of fun or very exciting but as we're talking about like we said in the beginning we're talking about a successful marriage not just successful or fun dating right i think that we the daters daters need to keep in mind like if i have things that i need to work on like I'm better off starting to work on them. I'm gonna have a happier marriage if I can give more. And I, you know, so if I notice 
issues that I have, start working on them before them while you're dating. You know, don't wait. Okay, so what are some things of going back to your your really exciting your projects? What are some things you wish that couples knew before they got into the problems that some of them get into? Premarital education, what are we talking about? What do I wish people knew before, before they before they commit to marriage and before they get into the marriage? Yeah. Okay. So oh, one thing I want people people knew before they got married was that I think that before marriage I want people to kind of have the right perspective of what what um what's what are their priorities right like what what is going to create a happy marriage is that the, the couple has to first have a strong foundation right that is the foundation for the whole family the couple's relationship, right? You're impacting future generations, right? So that's something that has to be worked on and nurtured, your relationship, right? That's the priority. I'm trying to build a, a happy marriage. It's work, great, good marriages take work, right? They don't just happen on their own. Like some of us think, because we look at other people or, or we see movies or other people and we assume it's just easy and that's it. Like good marriages take work, right? And all of us have different, relationship role models right so we're all coming in with different preparation so i that's one thing that it takes work that many people need help especially in the beginning in shana right and it's a strength to ask for help it's not a weakness it's not something to be ashamed of if you if if we don't get help that's something that that can be you know detrimental so it's normal to need help in this relationship we react differently in a love relationship, right? We have, we're more scared. We, we get more upset when things don't go right in a love relationship. So it takes work, ask for help. Don't expect your spouse to read your mind. You need to tell your spouse exactly what you want. And if they say yes, great. But I have couples tell me this all the time. He should know, like, no, he shouldn't know. Even if you're married 25 years, you still tell him what you want. And if he does it, great, right? He can't read your mind. Uh, she can't, he can't read your mind. She can't read your mind. Say what you need. And that's, again, any issue that couples come to me with, whether it's money, in-laws, parenting, we approach it the same way. We work on the communication and the connection. If you have healthy communication, a healthy connection, you can handle anything as a couple, right? So um, what else? This is something that I'm seeing a lot now in couples issues, early, early married. When you get married, the two of you are in the middle. You're in the inner circle. You come first. Everyone else is outside of that, right? So you have to defend your spouse, take your spouse aside. You still have to respect your parents, but it changes a little because now your spouse comes first. And that's something that a lot of young couples struggle with, a lot, and it creates a it, so you have to remember that your spouse now comes first, right? So if there's issues with parents or in-laws, you defend your spouse, you validate your spouse if they're upset, that's something else that I wish couples knew before. That when, you're, when your spouse comes to you and they're upset or your husband or Kala, they usually want validation and not advice. They usually want you to validate their feelings. 
And that's going to come up a lot during engagements, right? And and um, Shana Rishona, there's going to be things, right? So the other thing is, is that it's not about who's, it doesn't matter who's right, right? What matters is the space between you, right? So if something goes wrong, I'm sorry, even if it's not my fault, but it's not just, I'm sorry. It has to also come with understanding. I get why you felt like that. That must've hurt, right? So um, I don't know if I'm saying too much for this answer or I should No, I think this going. is good. I think that when we're talking about dating specifically, I think we're looking for right. just little inklings of this because we're not going to have major disagreements during dating. Right, right. Is it, is it, this may not be right. a couple. But I think, and even talking about other couples, family, and that, that, that they are a center, I think it's really important to come into dating knowing that and getting a sense of someone is really too enmeshed with their family and really will always see their family as first, and we'll use the site if you want to be part of that. I mean, right. I mean, I mean their, their bio family, not their new family that they're creating. Yeah. So I think right, right. things to, to know, to look out for, to know first line, to change your own mindset about, but also to look out for, whether you have a direct conversations or just hear, hear for it. Not that it's an absolute a break or something, a deal breaker, if somebody is a little bit too enmeshed with their family, you can talk about it. But if you can't talk about it, I think, like you said, communication is key. So we say that, actually, I don't see it that way. And what I always advise uh, dating couples is to at least say a couple times, actually, I see it differently. Just to see that you can say that and that it's received. Right. Find right. something that you, and, and if you see exactly the same when you're dating, like I'm also curious about what's going on, that you really don't right. allow yourself to have your own opinions. And to find that two people, a man and a woman, have the same exact opinions on everything is... Right. You need to have a voice. Right. So I, I, I encourage people to say, I see it differently, or I, you know, I, have, I have a different experience with it, or whatever language you choose to use. So these are some of the things that you can actually bring up if you see that someone's wonderful, but do you think that they are too close to their family? And will... Right. And that's how you assess for emotional safety, right? Like you have to be able to say things that are different and it'd be okay. Then I spoke to Shana Friedman. The person Shalom. can't get angry at you for making mistakes. Right. When I spoke to Shana Friedman of Shalom Task Force, she mentioned that you uh, shouldn't get engaged until you have at least one conflict. You have to see how you work through the whole conflict from, from before. Like, how, am I afraid to bring it up? How did I feel during the bringing it up? How did I feel after? Was I validated? Was I accepted? Was uh, was it heard? Not necessarily did he have to, she have to change their opinion because it's to, to match mine, but what was the conversation like? And I think that's what we're looking for in the dating is just to get some experiences of your communication, of your connection. Right, 100%, yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about talking about when they're as you're dating, talking about the importance of bringing in uh, edu uh, premarital education or early marriage education, or, or bringing in a therapist into the conversation, I think that conversation itself is a conversation that everyone should be having. And there, that what do you think about getting this education? Right, that's a great idea to bring it up before and see what they think, because that will tell you something. Right? Are they open to growth? Are they open to looking at themselves? Are they because are they open just the idea that we're not going to 100% get along every in every right. single way? Because I like I said I always say like male and female there's no way that you're always going to have the same perspective. I mean because right. even just our schools and our camps are so different. Right, right. 
And then, there's, of course, there's this the biophysiology of it. So I think that- And how does the family feel about premarital? Like how do the parents feel about it? I think that's important also, right? Right. And I think that that's also an interesting question for daters. Like we kind of say family is the icing on the cake, but it it really isn't, it, it is important in a way, right? Sometimes it can, you have to kind of feel out if there are family issues, is it going to get in, in, is it going to be a problem for me? Like you said before. Can I handle it? Is it gonna? Am I gonna be okay with that? If there are family issues, it should be discussed. So I think that leaving those kind of questions and will I be okay with it to a 19, 20, 24 year old, and do they really know that I'm, I'm going to be okay with it? So what do you suggest people do to bring up those conversations with their parents? He just told me, she just told me that her parents are whatever the potential machatanim are whatever. Do you suggest talking to your parents about that? or specifically not talking to your parents so that they don't necessarily know the issues with the machatanim? What are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think you should hide that from your parents. I think you should talk to your parents and then possibly a professional if you're really concerned about it. I don't think that hiding things from parents is, I think that sometimes couples hide things to their detriment, right? They're, they don't, they were told, oh, I shouldn't say things about my spouse or my, about the person I'm dating, but you need your parents' help when you're dating. Like you shouldn't have to hide things, concerns. Okay, but then it goes to that advice where they say, don't tell your parents because they'll never forget the, uh, you, you'll get over the little tip that you had, but your parents will never forget it. So that's the kind of question that people always ask me is like, should I tell my parents? I said, talk to an adult, but not necessarily does it have to be your parents. As long as you're getting advice from someone who's understanding, understands what relationships is, I don't think right. it has to be the parent. Right. But it, right, if you have, a, it depends on the relationship you have with your parents. Yeah, depends. But there should be somebody that you trust. The somebody. You so yeah. I find that some parents get very anxious and they like, how dear he, and it's really not as much. A, right, a, well, we, most people yeah, so, know their parents. Most people know their parents at that age and they know if it's a good idea. And it's, and then the flip of it is some parents don't recognize that they are those parents that <laughs> shouldn't be talking to. So, you know, they could encourage or should be accepting that they want to talk to another adult. And you could, I, I feel that they could ask, who is the other adult that you're talking yeah. to? It doesn't have to be me, but please talk to another adult. Right. And it should be someone that the parents comfortable with. If the parents feel are concerned and they, they want to make sure their child is getting proper guidance. Right. I also feel like sometimes the kids, as adult children should recognize that sometimes when their parents are not the right person to talk to. Because like, there are some parents who bring their own anxiety and their own hangups into their kids' potential relationships one way or the other. And they say, oh, it's not a big deal because they just want them married. But they want this whole parsha over. And I think the kids have to be able to recognize that uh, they're old enough to get married and they are still listening to their parents or somebody, but also recognize when it doesn't feel right or when their voice is not being heard by their parents. Right, well, that's why I think that it can come from like the Rabbanim, right? To, during the engagement process to kind of say, everyone should do some form of premarital education. Right. So that way it's not just like, I think that a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, we'll re only refer if there's a problem, but that's the wrong approach. So that way, if the parents are not, like you said, the parents are rushing the kids to get married, the kids don't realize there's something wrong. If the Rav is saying who's doing the wedding, it's a good idea for everyone to talk to 
you know, a premarital educator before the wedding, in case you have any questions or. So when we're talking premarital education, are you talking about the two of them learning together or are they learning separately, like together with their chassan teacher and their college teacher separately? Together. That's right. That's the way I see yeah. it. Different, Lots of different college teacher and the chassan teacher, but I think we're, now we're trying to bring them together as a couple and each other's nuances is what we're really talking about, not theoreticals anymore. Right. It should be as a couple, right? And I'm, I mean, that's another thing that a lot of Chassan and college teachers are starting to like refer, you know, the couples to talk to someone before. Right. So I, th I, I mean, I think it's so important, and I've done that with some with, with my, my younger my children, my first children. <laughs> I didn't think or didn't I, it wasn't in my purview at the time. But I think right. it's so important to actually get some sense of who are we, and then then as we become a we, who are we? Like I think that there's only so much we can do when we're engaged. So I think the premarital is important, but I think also early early marital is also important because now that we actually are living together and we see some of these things that we need to work through. Right, well, that's what I tell the couples. I say, like for from couples who don't know each other that long, I say, let's meet once or twice before the wedding and then meet after the wedding when it's less theoretical. Well, also More the wedding is so busy that sometimes it's just- Right. So I think that's I, I, I'm we, we you and I are both big proponents of this early premarital and then early marital education. And I think that we really should figure out how to get this to everybody. Right. It's so exciting to see that how the impact that it will make on the Shalom bias, and I think that really on the whole community through the Shalom bias through the whole community because it's like there's so much to talk about. Because while we're really so focused on getting them to the chapa, I'm more focused about how the marriage goes for the next 50, 60 years and the children. Right. right. So again, when we talk about dating, there's so many different topics. Is there anything that you've seen that people kind of forget to talk about? Um, not, I mean, I think some secrets. Yeah. But I don't think they forget. I think like we talked about, and I think that they have to realize that if they are secrets and then person finds out after it's so much worse and it feels like a betrayal that needs a lot of repairing whereas if you talk about it before and it's not a secret like if, if it's a secret and then after the wedding it's when the person finds out it's much harder to deal with right so, so i think um, in terms of forgetting in terms of forgetting i think maybe people do forget to talk about family dynamics like how's your family what's your family like like some people meet apple Lachayim, right or the day before, right. and then, you know, they go for Shabbos, and they're like, whoa, I didn't expect this, right, so I think that's something people forget to talk about, I think people remember to talk about money, usually, they forget to talk about families, and I think it's not, oh, you didn't ask me, I think it's something that you should want to know that you're accepted with whatever it is, especially the things that are, some people may not accept, or things that you don't want to cover, don't just wait to be asked. I think that those are especially those things that you have to cover. The, the number of siblings you have is nothing that you have to cover. Somehow it's, it, it gets covered. But, you know, the idea that you had a sibling that was very challenging and it affected the whole family dynamics, I think some people don't want to cover that. And I think that's important to cover. And this is now they have some of these games. I think some of the games are helpful to bring out yeah. some conversations. 
So I, I actually created a game. I usually carry it, but I don't, don't have a way. I call it convos, which are conversation starters. And they're really important questions. It's on the one hand, topics to make sure that you cover, but also some of the questions that we have are help you uh, share who you are. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's not information. It's just like, what do you prefer? And that kind of starts conversation. So I'm really excited. That's great. And of course, so some of the questions actually can go into Shana Hashem. Some questions I would say are, this is the couple you are. So like, don't ask certain questions because it's kind of, you're here now. But it's, it's really important, to, I think, to cover these things and to make sure that you're accepted. Part of the, to me, the experience of dating is, on the one hand, to get to know the other person, but to get to know that they accept who you are and that you right. feel comfortable in the experience of the uncomfortable topics. Right. I mean, it's, it's very easy to have fun together. But that's not where the challenges of a marriage come. It's not like the biggest challenges of a marriage is not like, oh, you like to go hiking and I like to go you know, right. bowling. Those are the small things that you can just figure out. It's the much bigger things. And you want to make sure that you can actually have conversations because some people can't communicate. They just shut down on the big time. Right, so you want to see that before. You should have enough conversations that you'll see that what happens when you talk about something difficult. Right. I find that some people, they're like, oh, that was, it was, it was they didn't have the conversation because we're so new to each other. So we didn't really have a full conversation. They start coming up with answers about why he, he it's probably because he doesn't feel comfortable yet because we don't even know each other and start making answers for why the communication didn't happen or they say the same thing about themselves. It's like, oh, I, I just don't feel comfortable yet because I don't really know if that's why I'm not having the conversation without fully understanding that you may not be wanting to have a conversation because you're not a communicator. And it's right. not so much on the, not so much about it. Or the flip, some people feel like I, if, the, if he was, a good listener or she was a good listener then I would be able to open up and then they're putting the pressure they're putting the onus on the other person when it's still me being not being a good communicator so I find like look at yourself in the dating also not just how do, how does the other person communicate but how do I communicate or or not how do I share or not and see what's going on in that way right I mean I do think that it's one positive change and like more recently is that a lot of daters are talking to dating coaches. And I think that's very helpful. But again, like you have to go to, you, you have to find out that your dating coach has some training. So I think that's important. The parent has to help the child speak to the dating coach first, find out what experience, if it's a good math, just like you would do with a therapist, right? But I, I think that dating coaches is, is, can be so helpful. And I think it's great that I don't think that there's a stigma for dating coaches as much as there are for therapists, which unfortunately, right, there's still stigma with some, many people are much more open to therapy today, but I do think that dating coaching, nobody did that when I got married, nobody. Like, and now I think it's really like in style. I think that people talk, or a lot of people are doing it and talking about it. And I think that can be very helpful. I find I, as a dating coach myself, I, I know that it could be very helpful, but I do find that some people think that we, other people get engaged without a dating coach, so or without a therapist, so I could be able to do it. And it's like, yeah, you could, but you could do much better, and you could just feel right. more secure in your conversations and in this decision if you actually spoke to somebody. Some people could do it without it, no doubt. But, but I'm finding a lot of like like my kids and their friends and my friends' kids are talking about before they start dating that they want to talk to a dating coach. I think that's great. I think that's so amazing. 
Right. So, because I think that people are real, realizing that there's so much to talk about. Maybe 25 years ago, when their parents were dating, it was more like the parent, their parents, or someone did the research, and you just went to see if you liked each other. That was sort of the way that things were done back then. Less of the conversation. I think the world was less complex. And right. so parents don't have their own lived experience to be helpful, to be fully helpful. They have maybe experience with in this process, right? With the way it is now, right? And they have a lot of wisdom, but not so lived experience. And I think that there's, there's a lot of value in speaking to somebody else who has experience of working with lots of people and also can get get answers because they do this more consistently than the parents would do it one child and one child then one right. child. Right. So I think, right. but also you hear yourself talking differently to someone who's a little bit more objective than talking to your parents. Yeah, definitely. And they, they have the experience of dating, like what, what, what your expectation should be for dating. And... Right. So there's so much to talk about in, as far as what to talk about. So make sure that you're getting into setting up, getting into the right relationship, getting into the right couplehood. It's not only dating and seeing if you like each other. I think there are some real issues to talk about. Not just spending like, you know, trusting the research and seeing if you like each other. I think they are like anything that you hear in research has to be ascertained again, have the conversations, especially the difficult things that we were saying throughout. Right. And then being willing to go to real conversations, have real conversations that are with the, with the support of a therapist or whatever, or a rub or your college teacher or whoever is doing the premarital. So I think that's so important. It's totally different conversations to have. And yes, some people can do it through themselves and people have, but the guided of a premarital class and premarital education and knowing what to talk about and someone helping you with your nuances. It's not just, you know, page 12 of the textbook. It's like really right. to you and you, and let's see how we're going to work out the differences. I think it's so powerful. So I really... So grateful that you're doing it for the community and then hopefully many more people will be doing it and it will just be part of what you do, college classes, premarital classes, and right. we're setting ourselves up for success. Right. It's equally as important as a college class, a communication class, just as important. You need both. Right. It's, it's, I mean, there's so yeah. part of marriage. I mean, there's the halakha. Yeah. There's right. keeping this marriage alive, dynamically right. alive, <laughs> not just halakhically alive. Right. Right. And we actually do that. We practice conversations. Like we, we do exercises and we practice listening and, and we have them practice speaking. So it's, so like it's experiential. I, so like as I add, I, I put out a, a daily relationship tip. So those are nice, but I think when, when you do it in pre, and they're wonderful, they really are wonderful. And I really recommend it. I'll put out the, the link of where to, to sign up for the daily tips. You can get it on Facebook, you can get it on WhatsApp, but there's nothing like doing it for the two of you together with the guidance of somebody else. So right. I think it's wonderful that you're doing it and we'll get it out to, we'll get it out. It will happen. Okay. <laughs> sooner, sooner than later, it will happen. So any final thoughts for this conversation? I think people just have to slow down. Slow down. I really do. We all have to slow down. We all have to slow down with our kids, with our families. All of us are, have to slow down. But especially, this is like a really important decision such an important decision. So you just want to tune up, tune like the noise out and really think about this Have decision. all the conversations and have the experiences right. and the time to process them in between. Right. Right. And so, don't try to do it alone. Like we said, have a mentor or somebody to help you through it. 
and for mentors, encourage to and be the, be the kind of sounding board that someone can actually talk to. That they right. will be able to share the fullness of whatever is going on for them. So, Pina, where can people reach you? You are based where? And can you do tele, telehealth? Yeah, I'm in Boca Raton, but I am I do Zoom like for people all over the country, you know, Israel. I do Zoom for premarital education and therapy and couples therapy. And, and also like I like it's I also want to help people find other people. Like if you want someone in person where you live, I'll help you find someone, right? Because we did a training, so we trained 30 from premarital educators. So what's your website? So it's paninaflugelcsw.com. Okay, wonderful. Someone sent us this question. I wonder if you want to answer this. Do you discuss previous relationships while dating once you're pretty sure that you'll get married? And I'm assuming that they're not talking about previous people that dated, I'm talking uh, previous like chef dating. I'm, thinking, I'm assuming they're talking about real relationships or high school relationships. Should you discuss those? Should you discuss? You're saying you think it's, you don't think they mean previous relationships. I mean, I, 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 I dated this person before dates. I don't, I don't think I'm talking about that. I'm talking about like if they were in seminary or post seminary, they had like a year long relationship. Should that be brought up with somebody? Well, when we're doing premarital education, we do talk about that we have relationship beliefs based on our previous experiences. So if we've had difficulties in a previous relationship, it can impact how we act in this relationship, right? It might impact our fears, our defenses. So I think if it's something important that somebody's been through and they feel like they're they're holding back something like important, but it really depends. Like, again, is it something that if the person found out they would feel hurt that it was a secret or is it just no big deal? Right. It depends how serious the relationship was. And sometimes you might say I changed, I, I became religious or more religious and, you know, whatever happened before is not, you know, like, but I don't, I don't think that there should be major secrets when you're starting out a marriage. And what about sharing the person's name? Or not, no, I don't think that's necessary. I think just really think about what's necessary to share and if it's necessary to share. I think just so that right. I had a relationship and I'm so glad that's over because you're so much better. Or, right, or, or talk about I, I was hurt. Know. I was hurt in this relationship. Right. You don't. I really think that if somebody was hurt, you want to share that. You want to share and, and see how you're, you know. But uh, the other the other side of this question is uh, the way I sometimes hear it is, I don't want to have any secrets. So I want to share everything I did, and I'm not so sure that sharing everything no. that you did. Yeah, I, I don't. I I agree with you. I don't think that a lot of details are really can be harmful and unnecessary, but I think if it's a big part of something that you went through that the person might find out. Without sharing the details. So I think it's worth really slowing down, thinking about what it is that you're going to share and why you feel it's important to share. And how, how you're going to share it. Ask for help. Yeah, I think that's that would be one of the reasons why you would speak to a coach or yeah. somebody. Just don't do this on your own. Don't just dump your guilt or your onto somebody else to hold right, it. Right, right. No, no, that's not helpful. Okay, so once again, your website, and then we'll wrap up. Okay, paninafluglcsw.com. So thank you so much, Penina. This has been a very interesting conversation. I think it's so important. And if anyone else has any other questions to Panina, you can definitely reach out to her or to my, me at adeyad.org or info at adeyad.org. So 
Thank you so much, Frida. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good night. And you can find more from Shidduch Yu at our website at adayad.org. That's all A's, A-D-A-I-A-D.org on the Shidduch Yu page. Or you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, definitely reach out to us at info at adayad.org.